Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. The famous poet and memoirist Mary Carr, upon publication of her most recent memoir, Lit, after she talks about her conversion to Catholicism, was interviewed by the Paris Review, and at some point in the interview, the subject of prayer came to the forefront. And this is what Mary Carr had to say about it. She said, prayer lessens fear, it reduces self-consciousness, and when I attend to it, I kind of forget myself. She went on to say, it's strange, though. I know that praying a steady hour a day would make me a happier human unit but I don't do it. And then she turned to the interviewer and said, do you know why? And the interviewer said, no. She said, me neither. Now I deeply resonate with Mary Carr's sentiment. Why don't I pray more? Why don't I pray as much as I would like to pray? Notice I didn't say as much as I should pray, as much as I would like to pray. I have experienced prayer, and it has done wonders for my fear, my self-consciousness, my anxiety, and yet I find all kinds of excuses not to do it. Now, there are times when I'm just lazy, or I'm distracted by my cell phone, or I'm just all about being productive and feel like I don't have time to pray. But there are other times when I am awake, I'm content, I'm focused, and I'm not at all bored at the prospect of prayer, and yet I still don't do it. Why? Well, I think on some level, my own lack of prayer probably implies a lack of faith. I don't pray as often as I would like to because I'm afraid that I'm going to be disappointed, that I'm going to get all excited to get something or to receive an answer and be left hanging. Now, maybe you felt this way as well. For me, I'd say a good 90% of my prayers when I'm asking for something, don't involve something that I need. And I'm not even praying for a Ferrari or the winning lottery ticket. But a lot of times, it's probably not even that good for me. It's not something of necessity. But there is 10% of the time, maybe five, where I ask for something that I think I need. And I really do think I need it. And yet, There have been times when I've prayed for those things and I've not received them. What does it mean when Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who searches finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened to you. Now, admittedly, I tend to probably not consciously, think of God 
as a cosmic vending machine. Just like I would put quarters in a, cosmi- in a vending machine to get a Coke or a Snickers bar, I put in my prayers and I put in enough of them and I'll get what I want. Isn't this text telling us to be persistent in prayer? Isn't that how this works? Well, if it's not, how does it work? Well, I think a closer examination of this text might give us a clue. So, what's happening in this text? Since chapter 9, Jesus has been on this journey. He's on this journey to Jerusalem. He set his face there. He's going to the place where he will make right everything that has gone wrong, where he will reconcile us to himself. And along the way, we've seen a bunch of things, and we've seen Jesus pray time and time again. And finally, his disciples decide, we're going to ask him. So they say, Lord, he's just to pray. John taught his disciples to pray. Teach us to pray. And when they ask this, he gives them that most famous of all prayers. If there is one prayer in the prayer book that most of you know, it's this prayer. Albeit, this is a different version of that prayer. But this is the prayer. From the time we're like two or three of you raised in a Christian household, you're taught this. Whether at home or at church, you know this. But a lot of us approach this prayer as if it's fallen from heaven and it's without context. As we read this text, we see that there is a context. In fact, the parable and the sayings that follow it are connected to it. So instead of diving into what does each stanza of the prayer mean, let's take a look at the parable and the sayings right after. I think that will help us understand the Lord's Prayer and also the meaning of prayer in general. So if you're following along, you may have heard this parable before. It's sometimes called the parable of the friend at midnight. But there is this friend, and he goes to his other friend, and it's unannounced, and he's asking for hospitality at midnight. So friend number two, who receives this unexpected guest, he decides, I'm going to show hospitality. I don't have a meal. I've got to go get it. So what does he do when the marketplace is closed? He goes to friend number three. He goes to his friend's house. He knocks at the door at midnight. And the friend number three, he says what all of us would say. It's midnight. What are you doing here? I'm in bed with my kids. If I get up, I'm going to wait them. Wait till morning. Your friend will be fine. And that's how it would look like for you and I living in the West today. But as I mentioned last week with the Mary and Martha episode, if in our own day, busyness or being productive is our chief value, our number one virtue, in the ancient Mediterranean world and particularly among Jews, the chief value is hospitality. To not show hospitality well would not only bring shame upon you, it would bring shame upon the whole village. So while you and I read this text and we see friend number two 
the one knocking and asking for a meal at midnight as being the shameless one. In this culture, it's friend number three who is acting in shame. If you don't provide this meal for the sojourner, this will bring shame upon our entire community. And so the emphasis of this text is that not just that the friend number two is persistent, but that friend number three will not submit to shaming the whole community. He will get up and give the bread because of friend number two's persistence. And what does this parable tell us about prayer and what does it tell us about God? Well, there are two things that it does not tell us about God. First, it is not telling us that God is asleep and that we need to wake God up. And by our persistence, we will, in fact, wake God up. And it's not telling us that with our persistence, we will cause God to act because God wants to save face. God wants to avoid shame. And so if we shame God, we'll get what we want. Now, I think when we read that third section, when we read the sayings about prayer, we have a better understanding of what's going on in the parable and in the Lord's Prayer. Right after, Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock. He says, which of you, if your child asks for a fish, is going to give a snake instead? Who of you, if your child asks for an egg, is going to give a scorpion? You and I, people so prone to being inward-focused and selfish, we're not going to do this. How much more will our Heavenly Father not provide good gifts for His children? We're not to pester God to wake him up. We're not to pester God to shame him into doing something. This is to say, how much more, if friend number three will get up when he's supposed to get up, will God get up and act and give us, provide for us, the things that we need? What about those times, though, when I ask for things that I think I need and I don't get them? And notice, I'm the one who focuses on the negative things. There's plenty of times my whole life has been one where my needs have been provided. So take what I say with a grain of salt. But it does feel at times that those prayers are not answered. But I think this text is telling us more so than ask for things and you'll get them, is, and I think this is what the persistence is all about and what the shamelessness part is all about, is that at the end of the day, prayer is all about communing with God. Notice at the very beginning, when we say our Father or Father in this text, we're addressing a person, someone in an intimate relationship with us. In that third part of the text, we're interacting 
with someone who cares for us. This is not some impersonal transaction. Once again, God is not a cosmic vending machine. God wants relationship with you and me. I'll be bold enough to say that God wants us to be God's friend. Why, though? The all-powerful, all-knowing God of the universe in his triune identity is complete in and of himself. He has no need of relationship. And yet, God wants relationship with you and me. This text is emphasizing to us, if you'll notice at the very bottom, Jesus does this kind of about-face And Luke emphasizes this when he says, how much more will the heavenly father give? And in Matthew, it says, good things to those who ask him. Here in Luke, Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit. Once again, emphasizing that relationship. Once again, emphasizing that God wants to give of himself to you and me. We see that in Jesus who set his face toward Jerusalem, who set his face to the cross to make a way where there was no way. We see that also here in God giving of God's self with the Holy Spirit, the one who empowers us to act, the comforter, the one who creates in us hearts that want to pray. So my friends, pray, and pray with persistence, and pray for the things that you need, and even the things that you want. But more than that, pray to be connected to this being, to this person, to this God who is for us, who so often makes a way where there seems to be no way. And so to this God who wants relationship with us, we pray that he would do for us what he did for Mary Carr. And that is that he may lessen our fear, reduce our self-consciousness, and give us the very hearts that we need, hearts that want to pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.